This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you here as always. Uh, 888-900-3393 on the lines. I did not watch the Golden Globes last night. Uh, I was busy preparing for the week and preparing for the show. There was, And I also don't have cable, so... That means no Golden Globes for me. Uh, but I did see, because it was all uh, all over the uh, the social media platforms this morning, all over the Twitter and the Facebook, that Meryl Streep decided that when she got what is effectively a Lifetime Achievement Award, that she would go after Donald Trump. Um, and turned it into an opportunity to make this all about how terrified we should be as a country and how evil Donald Trump is. Let me I don't want to play audio from it, because if we particularly these award shows, which the whole notion, by the way, that there needs to be a, a big ceremony for actors to sit around and talk about how wonderful they are to each other is, is kind of laughable. But. People watch it and people like famous, you know, the, the cult of, of the famous in this country, the cult of personality that actors have is more powerful now than it's ever been in the past. And I think social media only amplifies that. And we all see this lifestyles and the, the way that these people conduct themselves and many view it as aspirational. I can understand why. It'd be nice to pretend to be somebody else a little bit for a few weeks and make millions of dollars and then just get to hang out with my pet therapist and go to yoga class in Santa Monica and not have to worry about stuff like normal people do. So in that sense, I understand the aspirational aspect of it. Uh, But the stuff that she said, and this is just reflective of the broader mindset when it comes to Trump among those who make no effort to understand. I mean, just I want to step back for a second. It is true that Trump is a trust fund baby. That is true. It's true that he has the the taste of a, I don't know, of of, of a Byzantine monarch or something. I mean, you know, he loves the gilded, the gold, the, the over the top. His taste is not my taste. I will say that much. But there's this inability to even, or unwillingness is a better word, more accurate. An unwillingness to even try to wrestle with why exactly is it that people who are, let's just say, digging ditches for a living. To, I don't want to single out any one profession. But people who are digging ditches see this guy who lives literally surrounded by gold and 
uh, you know, gilded everything. That he speaks for them, and that they, and he speaks to them. Why is that? They they won't even begin, and they don't seem to understand that that's what appeals. It's no one is fooled. No one thinks that Donald Trump, Joe Biden, tries to fool people into thinking that he's the everyday, you know, average Joe, everyday average Joe. The guy lives a very cushy existence and is is anything but the everyday average Joe. He is famous. He is wealthy. And he engages in the, the kind of theater of, oh, well, you know, I need to ride on Amtrak. Well, they clear out a car for him every time he does ride on Amtrak, as I'm sure you probably have read and know. So he's, you know, he's traveling like a, an average Joe if an average Joe has a huge Secret Service detail and they clear out a car for him. And I, I think they used to do that even for him when he was a senator, but they definitely did it for him if he's vice president. Uh, so that's theater. That's pretending to be something he's not. Joe Biden is not a guy who knows what it is to roll up his sleeves, pay bills, worry about the mortgage and all that. But, but, and his whole thing is that he's average Joe. It's just uh, complete nonsense, the opposite of the truth. Trump is, is an average Joe, but he can speak to average Joe. Or perhaps even, to, to put it more to the point, he speaks average Joe. He speaks like a guy just who's speaking to a bunch of other guys and gals. And that obviously resonated. And there were a lot of reasons for the Trump victory. I mean, one of them, I think, and, and I, I believe that this is what really got a lot of the momentum going. Yeah, there was the immigration side of all this and that he would speak about immigration in a way that was considered before the Trump run to just be beyond the pale. Sure, that's a part of all of this, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But more than that, he was setting the groundwork for, well, I don't have to speak about things in a certain way. I don't have to speak about things in the prescribed way. I can just say stuff that people think and that they want to talk about because it matters to them. That this would have appeal, that this would resonate with tens of millions of Americans should not be bizarre and it also shouldn't be a constant invitation for denigration at the hands of those who have no idea what the struggle is really like the the economics by the way of trump voters or the i should say the financials of trump voters their socioeconomic status is something that always gets glossed over it was people who work it's not it wasn't actually poor illiterate you know white people from the ozarks or whatever this is what the media's try to convince everybody it was just people who have jobs who are making a lot of money but are making no money and actually doing pretty well but they're working really hard and they're sick of all the crap and what is the crap well the crap is being told how they can speak about things not just when it comes to sort of the media and the how they can speak about things politically how they can speak about things in the workplace what they could even say at home without perhaps their own children correcting them. They're sick of it. They don't want that anymore. They want something else. And then, in a moment of just supreme virtue signaling from one of the high priestesses of Hollywood, probably the high priestess. I mean, I could never say the Pope because, oh gosh, Roman Catholic, that would, that would terrify the Hollywood set. Uh, but certainly she is given a a degree of deference that is afforded. I mean, it's maybe it's Meryl Streep, Steven Spielberg, 
Uh, there's a handful that are just in that other echelon category of the most arrogant in Hollywood battle before them. And Meryl Streep is this revered figure in Hollywood. And uh, I'm not going to play the audio. We had it, and I appreciate our team getting those clips. But as I realized, these award shows are very litigious. And so if you use their stuff and you keep it on your, for example, on this show, on the podcast, you may get sued just because because they're litigious like that. Uh, by the way, in case you didn't know this, the David Letterman show, fantastically litigious. Love to sue people for any use of, of Letterman content or whatever. Had, had a real reputation for that. Um, my understanding is Bob Marley's estate, fantastically litigious. Loves to sue people. That's what I've been told. If you use their music uh, for anything and anything, right? That's They, they have that reputation. I, I don't know. I've never been sued by them, but this is what I've been told. So we don't want to use the actual audio just because why invite a problem? Wouldn't it be annoying if I'm talking about the elites and and Meryl Streep and how they're trying to silence us and then they can actually sue us? So we're going to avoid that. But I'll read you some of the transcript from what she said, because it really is a window into when we talk about the elites and Hollywood and the Democrats and just the lockstep. And don't don't actors get tired of the group thing? I guess a lot of them are intellectually really insecure and so the comfort the false comfort of consensus is something they run to all the time but you maybe think that some of them would and i know you're gonna say what about james woods buck i mean there's there's sure there are some who are not just conservative or break from ranks on this but are outspoken about it but it's very very few and i think those who are trying to have a career or trying to build more of a career are even less likely to speak about this stuff in the open and honestly. I think they're the ones who are in the, feel the most pressure. And so when the high priestess of Hollywood, Meryl Streep, is up there and saying things like this, it's going to have an, an impact that filters down and everyone's getting their marching orders, which is, remember, it's not just that Trump is bad, it's that everyone who voted for Trump is bad too. I voted for Trump, so that means I'm bad. So these people are saying that I must have some, and any of you who voted for him as well, uh, must have some racist, uh, bigoted hole in your heart. Here's what she said. There was one performance this year that stunned me. It sank its hooks in my heart, not because it was good, there was nothing good about it, but it was effective and it did its job. It made its intended audience laugh and show their teeth. It was that moment when the person asking to sit in the most respected seat in our country imitated a disabled reporter. Someone he outranked in privilege, power, and the capacity to fight back. It kind of broke my heart when I saw it. I still can't get it out of my head because it wasn't in a movie. It was in real life. So she was talking here about Trump uh, mocking. And look, I disagree with some of my conservative, uh, conservative compatriots on this one. Because I've seen, if you watch the entire speech, in the same speech... He's talking about a general, and he does this sort of, uh, you know, with his hands. And I know New York mannerisms and gestures, and he does it about a general who's a general who's perfectly able-bodied and fine and all that. And it wasn't. It's just about a, a a performance that Trump is giving to show somebody who's flustered and discombobulated because they're on the spot and they don't know what to say. And and he's done, he does it a number of times. I've seen a compilation video, actually, which maybe I can find one and post it for you online. But he's done this about a whole bunch of people where he sort of waves his hand and goes, oh, I don't know. 
And then he did it when he was talking about Serge Kovaleski, who has arthrogriposis, which limits his arm movement, and it's visible that he has joint problems in his in his arms. Um, this I, and people say, well, he said, look at him, look at him, and then he did the imp- impersonation. I do not believe that Trump was saying, look at him in the sense of, yeah, look at that guy, look at that disabled guy. I'm going to now make fun of him. He meant. Look at him as a as a manner of speaking. And I know some of you could disagree with me on this. And by the way, apparently a lot of you were actually right that he said big league and not bigly. So mea culpa on that one. I'm not saying that I'm always right all the time. I thought on this one it looked pretty bad at first until I understood that I, I, I Trump, he's talking about a 15-year-old article that this guy wrote. This guy he hasn't seen in uh, in a long time, as, as I understand it at least. He, he did meet him in person. Um, in the past, but so he does the impersonation of a general, then he does the impersonation of Kovaleski, or not an impersonation, but this gesture, and everyone said that he's mocking a disabled reporter. This this is now the one that they really hang on to because clearly this is the one that they believe is the most damaging. It not only makes Trump look like a huge jerk, but anybody who supports him and is willing to overlook this is also a huge jerk. And, you know, the speech went on at some at some length. Uh, I'll, I'll get into a little more of it when we get when we get through it. If you've watched it, I'm curious to know what you think. 888-900-3393 on the lines. Uh, team, we'll be back in just a minute. This is the Buck Sexton Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Team, you all know my passion for living a healthy lifestyle. I keep gluten out of the diet. I try to eat clean all the time. Super Beets is one of the most functional, impressive foods I've ever seen. Why? Blood flow, blood flow, blood flow. Nitric oxide helps with healthy circulation and healthy blood pressure levels, and beets are loaded with nitric oxide, or rather with dietary nitrates, which converts the nitric oxide in the body. Uh, I take Super Beats every day, and I feel the energy and stamina it gives me within 20 minutes. I want you to feel it too. So call 800-311-4367 or go to teambuckbeats.com. Get a 30-day supply free. comes with your first order. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds and free shipping on your entire order. You'll love the results you feel with your first free canister, guaranteed, or your money back. 800-311-4367 or teambuckbeats.com. 800-311-4367 or teambuckbeats.com. Jim in Minnesota, what is up? Do do we have Jim? Hey, how you doing, Buck? Hey, Jim in Minnesota. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. We're finally back up into the double digits again, above zero, so I'm happy about that. 
<laughs> there you go. Thanks, thanks for the yeah. update from Jim's World. What's on your mind in the news? Hey, yeah, I was wondering as far as uh, what really kind of floored me was, you know, how that really didn't set any alarms off as far as this guy is only traveling with a gun. You know, he doesn't have any uh, as far as, you know, he didn't bring any, you know, carry-ons or nothing. He just basically traveling with the gun. Of course, it wasn't, wasn't you know, with him. It was down in the cargo hold. But uh, still, it's just like, you know, you think that would set off some alarms. Yeah, but what are they – okay, let's say that it's – what's the alarm? I mean, he legally checked his legally owned gun into the – you know what I'm saying? What are they going to do? Say, I, I no, guess they I'm could just... have questioned I, – I guess they could ask him some questions and hope that he trips up. But, uh, again, yeah. this is one of these cases where you see it and you say, all right, I, there might be some tweaks that they could make to some laws to hope to stop somebody like this. But very tough, uh, very tough to get it right. And remember, we're looking for – batting a thousand we're looking for a hundred percent effectiveness in preventing all this stuff and that is asking a lot i know what I, what i'm saying as far as is that uh you know him traveling without any luggage other than the gun i mean that you would think that would be uh, set off some alarms you know as far as uh, I, I, understand, I understand but even if it sets off some alarms yeah. jim what i'm saying is what what are the what alarm does it set off the you can't okay. not travel you know you, you need more baggage i mean what what's the what do they do they're going to say you can't fly okay maybe um, but this guy, you know, it's interesting to me that, that he did this, right? He, he went into Fort Lauderdale Airport. Uh, I haven't seen yet any real explanation, although it might be out there. There's a lot of information coming in as to why he would choose that specific airport, because he had a gun. He could have gone into any crowded place, including the airport in Alaska, and achieved much the same effect. So it just seems like he's kind of a quirky psycho. Yeah, no. I'm, I, what I'm saying is, you think this in the future that uh, that will set off more alarms if they're you know traveling with just a gun and no you know carry on no luggage. Yes, but uh, if, if they change the law, let's say, so that you that that will flag people, that will get out there. We mm-hmm. will know about it. And now all you have, to, okay, if you want to repeat what this guy did, you just make sure that you check a bag, right? This is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's oh, always yeah. there's this there's it. this understandable desire to have something to do and of course democrats always try to take this as the opportunity to make it about gun control oh but, yeah for sure for sure right of course but what are what are you really going to do uh mm-hmm. there's when you have somebody who wants to kill a bunch of innocent people for no reason if, if they are willing to do that and, and trade their life in the process uh, by the way it's very hard to deter them it really is in a free society this is just and even in a not free i mean this could happen in a you know maybe not getting the gun but We've seen this uh, in, in there are countries all over the world that have suffered from lunatics that want to engage in a mass casualty attack against civilians. And we see this now with trucks. What are you going to ban people from vehicles? Uh, so this yeah, is a very I think this is why this is so unsettling for a lot of for a lot of people is one. I mean, it's just tragic and, and horrible. If people are killed at the airport for just mm-hmm. no reason other than this guy's a complete lunatic and a psychopath. There's also just not much to say or to, to do about it. There really isn't. I mean, I'm seeing them. People say, oh, maybe we increase security so that you have to stop and get searched before you enter the terminal. Well, then he's just going to shoot people in line getting into the terminal. Right. It doesn't that doesn't really address anything. So I, I wish I wish that this is one of these times where you could say, oh, clearly there needs to be this action or that action that could have prevented it. But, Jim, I don't see that. I don't see that being the case. Um, and if, if I'm missing something, please let me know or anyone call in and tell me what you what you think should be done here. But for me, it's well, there are bad people want to do bad things. Very hard to 
completely stop them. Thanks for calling in, Jim from Minnesota. Good to talk to you as always. Shields high. Um, maybe we'll talk a little more about the uh, latest with this. Uh, I shouldn't say the latest, but the Golden Globes from last night. What happened there? Uh, we could have a discussion on that one. Uh, anything else that you have in mind as well? 888-900-3393. Uh, we should definitely chat about anything in the news cycle that uh, has gotten your attention. And we've also got a guest or two joining us here shortly. So, team, we've got a lot planned today. Um, also, I will be uh, appearing on Fox Business uh, later today, so keep an eye out for me there. And that's what I've got for you until we come back on the other side of the break. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sponsor this half hour is silencershop.com. Look, silencershop offers simply the best buying experience you can get in the industry, period. They have a friendly and knowledgeable staff, and they're always available to help or answer answer questions. Customers can trust silencershop to handle the process quickly and correctly since they submit more forms than anybody else in the country by a huge margin. When it comes to doing the paperwork right for your silencer, you can trust silencershop.com. They submitted more than 60,000 forms to the ATF in 2015. Silencer Shop offers the best prices along with the best service. And when you purchase a silencer from silencershop.com, you simply pick it up at a local dealer with no transfer fees and no shipping. So check it out, silencershop.com. Again, silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. And now let's make the Freedom Hut a cooler place. We're joined by our hip friend, Matt Welch. He is a libertarian. He is the editor-at-large of Reason Magazine and, of course, writes for Reason.com. What's up, Matt? Let us borrow some of your cool for a minute. What's that, sorry? I said, let us borrow your cool for a minute. But now yeah. I sound, I had to repeat it, so I sound less cool, which makes me sad on the inside. All right, Golden Globes last night. What's the libertarian hot, libertarian hot take, please? Uh, first of all, that it just, uh, they only allowed the, uh, the dead people segment to cover two actors. That's really disappointing in a year that we had such uh, rich amounts of death. Um, <coughs> I always, uh, I, I, I get ready to have my cry on. I'm, I'm sitting there with my wine. And I want to weep uh, bitterly at the passing of David Bowie or Prince or whatnot. And they just gave us Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher. But topic du jour is Meryl Streep. And my God, let's just imagine for a second that you wake up in the morning thinking, I've got to stop the creeping authoritarianism of Donald Trump. Because I kind of do wake up like that sometimes, right? So let's imagine that's what you want to do. And you think about, what can I do strategically to help this out? What, what, what am I scared of? And how can I stop it? So what you're scared of is that a rising tide of populist nationalism in which people lash out at perceived elites is going to wave, usher in some kind of proto-fascism. All right, that's, let's worry about that together. What do you do? Let's insult people for watching football and mixed martial arts. I mean, it can't possibly be less persuasive or less useful as a critique of Donald Trump, right. if, if in fact your goal here is to do something about the thing that you're expressing uh, and signaling your dis, uh, distaste for. 
everyone that thought that that was a a witty quip when she said that if you take if you deport all the foreigners or whatever or you know get rid of all the foreigners and the outsiders i love that these people refer to themselves as outsiders like oh, yeah. i, I want to be a, if being an outsider means you get a a a 15 million dollar mansion in beverly hills i'll be an outsider all day man sign me up i want that beach house in malibu as an outsider but she says this, everybody who thought that was a witty quip already agrees and thinks Trump is a monster. So it really isn't about giving a speech that has any effect, I think, or, or, or is actually trying to achieve its ostensible goal, which is to convince people to sort of keep an eye on Trump. Everybody who says or who's clapping when she says things like that, they're already they're already ready for the Trump apocalypse. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's. Not only is, is she kind of, I mean, weirdly locating uh, the people inside the Beverly Hilton as the like the first and primary targets, uh, you know, the vulnerable people that we need to protect, which is just a completely bizarre. But the types of people that she's talking about, some of those actors and screenwriters who have these uh, colorful, multifaceted uh, backgrounds, several countries, those are the type of people Donald Trump marries. Does anyone notice this? I mean, he married a Czech skier. He married a Slovenian model. He knows people on those types of visas. He marries them. Um, so Plus, yeah, I, think that... it's, I think it's time we, we come to grips with some justifiable xenophobia here when it comes to British actors playing what should clearly be American roles. I'm sorry. I've had enough of it. It's ridiculous. You know, uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, Black Hawk Down was on TV a, couple, a week or two ago, and I was watching some of it because it's a good movie. But I realized I'm watching this. This is about American Rangers and American Delta Force, and all these guys are Brits. It's unacceptable. I, I, I get that, but I would submit two counter-arguments, both of them very involved with the military. First is Princess Leah, played by the late Carrie Fisher, had a British accent for the first 20 minutes of Star Wars and then just dropped it. it didn't oh, make she got sense. rid of it? Really? i got to go check that out. I love no, it. It's amazing. It's like, Lord Vader, I, I should have known this was you. You know, it's like, what? And then she's an American by, like, Act 2. Uh, and then the other one is the a terrific HBO series, um, that I uh, commend to everyone uh, about 10 years ago called Generation Kill, based on the book by Evan Wright, which is also very good, um, that sort of talks about the, uh, the tedium of life as a uh, reconnaissance Marines unit there. The lead in that, who was awesome, is Dutch, playing an American, and he was great. I can't, I can't fault that uh, portrayal even for a half a second. So I get what you're saying, but there's a lot of bad stuff the other way, especially my, my wife being French. I'm uh, sensitive to this. We used to live in, in Hollywood, near the corner of Hollywood and Sunset. That's how uh, elite I am, damn it, although it was in kind of a meth shack. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, oftentimes French actors living in Hollywood can't get roles as French people because their accent isn't comically Pepe Le Pew enough. So they get the worst, like Americans or Brits say, oh, but what are you talking about today? And they're really pissed off because uh, they're keeping the, uh, the French people out of work. So Right, so maybe, right. Maybe, there's, maybe there's hope for me then pretending to be a Frenchman because my French accent is so Pepe Le Pew and terrible that no French person would ever recognize it as even being French. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, what do you think of the, of, of the Trump response to the IC report uh, saying that basically, yeah, Russia did hack and P.S. Trump, they like you? Uh, you know, he seems really invested in making sure that uh, no one can. In but first of all, the report itself is terrible. 
Uh, I, I, I say that as someone you know, but maybe your listeners don't. I mean, I'm as big of a Putin hater uh, and lifelong, you know, anti-Ruski as you can. You find hated out Putin there. before Putin hating was cool. It's true. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, you know, I've. Uh, I lived in former communist uh, places for uh, eight years of my life, and it's seared into my thinking. He's a, a devilish man. But that report was like 13 pages on Russia Today with a lot of out-of-date information about it, at least the, the part that the public got to see. And I understand that sources and methods are kind of difficult and, and all that stuff, but wow, was that unconvincing. So as that is a, as one kind of important baseline, um, it's clear that Trump – uh, will not uh, accept any interpretation of what happened in a way that would call uh, into question anything about his stirring historic victory, <laughs> his landslide, as he keeps referring to it. Uh, so, and he's going to, even, even and especially in the teeth of all of this stuff, he keeps tweeting out praise for Putin and, and praise for, uh, you know, the upcoming uh, wonderfulness of uh, bilateral relations. Um, he's going to smash our faces into his new version of this relationship. And it's just odd because regardless of whether you think there's a, some new path available to bilateral relations, and that's, a, that's something that uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton deluded themselves into thinking right after they got elected, that George W. Bush could look into his eyes and, and do business with Vladimir Putin. People have been there before. Uh, I strobe Talbot back during Clinton was like that. I mean, it's, it's a recurrent thing in American policy. Regardless of whether you think that's true, even after all of these demonstrations to the contrary, Vladimir Putin is an expansionist, irredentist, person whose politics is all based on recapturing the lost glory, um, uh, the, the, the wound that's been, that's been lopped off by the demise of the Soviet Union. So don't praise him. Just don't. He, he's not praiseworthy. He's an active menace uh, to all countries that border him, uh, and he's an active menace also in places where the Soviet Union used to control in Central Europe, places like Hungary. Uh, so it's just he's not praiseworthy, and it's, and it's distressing um, that uh, a president-elect of the United States of freaking America uh, is praising someone. If you're going to shift American foreign policy to realism, and I'm good with that, and there's a lot of people involved in his uh, transition team and perspective, State Department and whatnot, that are like that. KT McFarland, she's a realist. I get it. You can't base realism on fantasy. That's the problem. And it's fantasy to treat Putin as a friend and someone who has any good shared interest with us. That's just not so. Speaking of fantasy, real quick, like 15 seconds quick, should I go see La La Land with my girlfriend now, or should I say, nah, not for me, honey? Uh, go see it just because I'm a California patriot. I haven't seen it yet. That song didn't seem so good to me, so I'm a little bit worried, but it looks really pretty. Where should everyone go to read the latest Matt Welch genius stuff? Go at Matt Welch on Twitter or Reason.com every day. Reason.com, everybody, check it out. Our libertarian buddy, Matt Welch, holding it down for liberty. One day we'll have you on to talk about the difference between liberty and libertine, but that'll be another time. Matt Welch, you're the man, sir. Thank you for joining. Great to have you, as always. I heard a bit, so I think we're good. All right, cool. Uh, team, I've got a lot more. Uh, 888-900-3393 on those phones. I've got some things to discuss with you. You're going to find out what it is in just a few minutes. Be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.
dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, team, I, I saw this over the weekend, the rumors that are out there about uh, the possibility that we may not, in fact, be done with uh, Hillary Clinton as a political figure. And this would affect me much more than it would any of you. The chance that she was going to run for mayor in New York City. I just when I thought I could escape Clintonism, Clintonianism, just when I thought it was all over, um, they bring back these stories, these possible stories, uh, or these these possible pathways for Hillary to become a public figure once again. Being mayor of New York, because it's the largest city in the country with 8 million-plus people, is unlike being mayor of any other place, really. It is, in a sense, a a national-level job, even though it's a municipal position. It gets a lot of attention. It's still the home of uh, the financial industry in this country and obviously our biggest city, and there's a lot that comes along with it. The United Nations is here, the sort of international role. But I have to tell you, there's even a part of me that says, and this is, I probably shouldn't even admit this to you. De Blasio is so bad. Kaiser Wilhelm de Blasio, because his name was Warren Wilhelm. Yeah. And then he changed his name. He went from the Warren Wilhelm to the Billy de Blasio because it's like, oh, hey, who do you want to have the beer with? The Warren Wilhelm or, or hey, Billy de Blasio? So he decided to change his name in like his 20s. It's a very strange decision. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was Warren Wilhelm, and then decided that he was going to be Bill de Blasio. Hey, from down the street. Hey, who wants to hang out with Bill? Been a horrible mayor. Much more concerned w- with getting social justice memes going. Much more concerned with pushing uh, any number of sort of national-level memes while he's, he's sort of the meme mayor. Right, he sees something, you know, oh, Black Lives Matter or you know, any of these things that come up. Uh, I was going to say Occupy Wall Street, but that was before his time. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's sort of hashtagging and engaged in some stunt or will give some soundbite to get national-level attention. I mean, you can tell this is a guy who really wants to be a figure in D.C. and I think believes that he should be somebody that the Democrats think of for president. But he's done a terrible job here in New York City. I know a lot of you don't care because you don't live here, but it's just the homelessness problem on the streets is worse than it's been in a decade. Uh, crime has been going up, although I know they've been playing with the numbers. But there's any there's uh, un, there are plenty of people that I talk to who say that the official stats are being messed with because uh, they want to hide that because that's the always the first place you go with is a mayor getting the job done or not. Right? It's can. Can you look at the at the crime statistics and make a case that this is not somebody who's particularly competent one way or the other? Um, and he's just been terrible. And he, he's on the wrong side of the police. He's always throwing them under the bus. Um, the, the city is not as well run as it used to be. You just know from living here. And so there's a part of me that had to admit that while I want Hillary Clinton and the Clinton dynasty to just go away, as I hear now, Mariah Carey's doing for a while. She's stepping away from the spotlight after the New Year's Eve debacle. You know, maybe that's a good thing. I, I think that when you've made half a billion or are worth half a billion dollars, as Mariah Carey reportedly is, and are famous around the world and have had a huge career 
it's okay to to take some some you time, and you don't have to be a uh, a sex symbol for all eternity. And anyway, so, so we'll put put a hold on that for a second. Let's get back to Hillary Clinton. I'm not trying to compare the two by any means, uh, but Hillary was going to go away and be something other than what she had planned to be, which is the next president of the United States, and then groom, I think, Chelsea for becoming a senator and the same. You know, we were going to get the same thing. I'm happy to see that political dynasties, there's at least been an interruption in them right now, although maybe the Trumps are going to be a dynasty, and who knows who's going to run from the Obama family and all the rest of it. Um, But de Blasio is so bad that there's a part of him that's like, maybe Hillary would be better. But then I immediately shouted at myself for thinking that because, Buck, you can't, you can't be that guy who now is saying, well, I mean, Hillary's better than Comrade de Blasio, who I think honeymooned with like the, in support of the Sandinistas or something, or was that Bernie Sanders? I think he went to either Nicaragua or Cuba in his spare time just to sort of show solidarity with a communist regime. So when I call him Commie de Blasio, it's really not that far off the mark. Uh, but the city taxes are incredibly high. City services are going downhill. This guy's so bad that for a moment, I was even willing to consider maybe Hillary would be better than de Blasio for New York City. And then I thought, no, can't do it, Buck. Hillary's got to just step out of it. She's got to step off the stage for good as a politician. And you're just going to have to suck it up and deal with de Blasio. All right, team. Uh, Tomorrow I'll be here. Uh, every day this week I'll be here in the Freedom Hut 12 Eastern as always. Uh, please check out my latest on Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Send me your thoughts on the show there. The and until Sexton tomorrow, show. my friends, as always, always on the Blaze talk. Radio Network.